Fantasy Managers, hello and welcome back to the second edition of the FPL Addicts Game Week Team Selection Show for Fantasy Premier League, the 2021 and 2022 season, powered by Esports Live and brought to you by our sponsor, Bonus Bank. Today, I'm joined by the one and only FPL Addicts guru. So, Matt, how are you, mate? Yeah, going great. Thanks, Elliot. Um, obviously, a big week with FPL. We've obviously had Ronaldo come in and you know, we'll touch on that a little bit later, but yeah, kind of happy so early on the season, but happy just to have a little bit of a break and uh, sort of sit back and um, you know reflect on the first three weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, it is an international break that we're, we're currently sort of uh, in, in force with with the world of football. So there's a lot of uh, games still going on, but not too much in the world of, uh, of fantasy football. But um, obviously, as I mentioned, international break means that there are no games this weekend. So you do get that little bit of extra time to sort of tinker with your team and, you know, sort of uh, decide which transfers that you are going to go with. So we'll discuss all of that today as well as strategies going forwards. But um, I think the first thing that we should go through, Guru, is uh, is actually your team from the previous game week and um, you actually scored pretty well from my memory so there it is on the screen now there's a couple of players that I want to ask you with and I'll start with the man in between the six Robert Sanchez you know obviously he's uh, only had one clean sheet out of three games you know a lot of people were saying that Brighton are very defensively solid and that um, you know they're going to keep a lot of clean sheets but uh, are you sort of you know regretting bringing in the, the Brighton goalkeeper? That's an interesting one I think obviously his, his ownership so high that um, it's not hurting me too much, um, but at the same time, I'm not benefiting those that, you know, um, have chosen. So I'll, I'll probably say I'm not regretting it just because he's only four and a half. And I think for that price, I'm not expecting too much more than, you know, a few save points and, and the odd clean sheet. And I think what one clean sheet and three, um, you know, if he grabs another one in the next game, you've got two from four. So, you know, he's doing quite well for his price. Um, and look, looking at those sort of next five on the screen there. Um, you've got three nice green fixtures. Um, probably going to expect a clean sheet, probably out that Palace one, uh, maybe that Norwich one as well. Um, you know, and you probably look at it and think for his price, probably get some safe points in that Leicester game as well. Um, yeah, I'm still pretty comfortable with him um, so far. I think it was the the game against Burnley. I probably would have liked the um, you know the full six points, but yeah, for his price, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, it was quite disappointing that, you know, they had that clean sheet ruled out so early on as well, Brighton, against Burnley. But um, I think it, it's an important point that you mentioned is that, you know, it's it's all right to hold Robert Sanchez at the minute because, you know, so many people have got him in their team. He's the, you know, the choice of goalkeeper at that four and a half million price point. So I think you're right in saying that it doesn't really hurt you too much, but you don't really sort of gain much from it either. You know, a lot of people that might have had Hugo Lloris um, at the start of the season, would be counting themselves quite lucky but then again it's like you've got to balance it out throughout your team so do you want to go cheap with a goalkeeper and you know upgrade to a premium midfielder or do you want to go with a, one of those higher end goalkeepers you know it's all about that sort of strategy so obviously as you said it's all right for the minute because you know a lot of people have got him but um, I'm very wary that Brighton do in fact have Brentford next and I know that up top you've got that man Ivan Tony, who did manage to break his duck for the season on the weekend, but um, are you expecting Brentford to, you know, come out and they weren't a team that you mentioned that you expect a clean sheet from Brighton. So you expecting Tony to come out and kick a few against uh, Brighton? Yeah, look, I'm hoping he can, uh, you know, grab a grab a goal or you know, two would be sort of dreamland when you look at six and a half million that he that he is. Or not not sure if he dropped. I can quickly check actually. Did he drop to six and point four within the um, the price rises recently? There was obviously a lot. Yeah, he did. So he's dropped to six point four now. So 
Um, obviously, I'd be, love it if he could get a double and get his price back up. Um, but yeah, I think for that price point, um, a goal with some bonuses, you know, more than um, more than what you can kind of ask for. So um, yeah, I think this one against Brighton, home game in front of the fans, you know, get his first uh, home goal in the Premier League. I'm definitely going to keep him for that one. I think I, he's not coming out of my team anytime soon, and he obviously rewarded me in the last game with six points, which um, I believe could have been seven, but. Um, he did get a booking, so um, yeah, sticking on that Tony train for now. Probably yeah, those two more weeks, and then look to kind of shift him when that uh, you know that red, red, red uh, set of fixtures come in. Yeah, and obviously you know you mentioned that he, he's dropped in price to six point four million. You're a little bit surprised to see that he has maybe dropped. Obviously he has blanked in two out of his three games, but he's already priced fairly low at six and a half million, and you know he is a proven goal scorer albeit in in the division below but do you think it's quite surprising that we have seen him drop so early this season yeah look it's a bit of a surprise i think because his ownership was so high um and i thought there might have been a bit more loyalty to him um you know knowing that he's got you, know, you kind of looked at him and you were buying him for five fixtures not just for the first two um or three games so i'm i'm a bit um surprised that it's, it's definitely dropped down um but then at the same time, as with FPL, we've seen so far this season, there's a lot of uh, kind of reactionary players. And, you know, if a player has a bad week, um, especially two bad weeks, and everyone, you know, transfers that one player out and then their price is going to drop. But, yeah, if someone had said to me, um, you know, three game weeks in, Tony's price is going to have dropped to 6.4, um, even though he scored a goal with a bonus point, um, I would have definitely been surprised. Yeah, and I think it's a fair point that you mentioned as well. A lot of people are quite reactive in uh, in fantasy football these days. You know, you've, you've always got to remember it's a phrase that we mentioned a lot and brandished around a lot last season. But, you know, it is a marathon and it's not a sprint. It's not like the Euros or the, the Champions League one, if you will, where it's just, you know, you've got to get all these players into you know, quickly to, to score your points. It's you can afford to sort of uh, hold on these players and, you know, wait to see what they can do in the, the game weeks uh, coming up. But, you know, obviously it is a 38 game week season. So there is always that opportunity um, if you are just a little bit patient for them, which was definitely shown in my uh, my Kai Havertz transfer uh, last week as well, where I got rid of him. I was a little bit impatient. So I am definitely a victim of that myself. But um, I think it's a, a very good question that Ollie has just asked. He says uh, he's got a, a three-parter. Do you plan to get get CR7 in when and how and there was always going to be a question about Ronaldo it's not a surprise it has only come seven or so minutes into the podcast so uh what, what can you do to help Ollie here I feel like uh you know putting that one on ice for Ollie for now and um we we will uh yeah later on in the show I've actually got a uh a Ronaldo sort of special hot topic so I've definitely got an answer for you Ollie so if you stay tuned into the uh you know the end of the podcast um video cast i'll um i'll definitely answer that in uh in the three parts for you so yeah we'll leave it for then um no problem at all yeah and yeah, as i mentioned ronaldo was always going to be a hot topic we were talking about him a week ago on this podcast he was the the big point of discussion you know all those premium strikers and you know it hasn't changed a week on so it's still on the mind of a lot of managers but if we focus back on your team uh your defense especially i just want to talk about livermento and i know we spoke about him a fair bit on, uh, on Wednesday's podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, uh, it was me, the guru, Ollie, Jack, Reedy, and Statman Dave, the rest of the panel. And we all sort of reviewed our teams ever so briefly. But um, I just want to say how good he was against my team, Newcastle. Um, you know, he was 
central to most of the attacking things that they tried to do. It's a shame, obviously, from an FPL point of view for you that they weren't able to keep a clean sheet. I was absolutely delighted that we managed to put two past them. But um, yeah, I think, you know, if anyone is out there, you know, wondering, again, the, the reactive nature of FPL, you know, you, you've got to hold on to a player like that for so cheap. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised to sort of see him rise in price, you know, after he gets a, an attacking um, return or something like that. Or, you know, if Southampton can uh, bolster up at the back and keep a couple of clean sheets. So he's definitely one that is planned to be in your team for quite a while, do you think, Guru? Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, I actually think he's, he's already, we'll take a look, I think he's gone up to 4.1 already. And he's the first, um, yeah, 4.1. He's the first FPL player in the history of the game, I think, to... Um, to go up 0.1 without any clean sheet or attacking returns. Um, so, yeah, that's a, uh, it's pretty mad to think. It just shows you, um, you know, once we get a guaranteed starter at that price, everyone will just transfer him in as, you know, that enabler type of player. So um, he'll be in there long term, you know, unless, um, you know, there's an opportunity to get, um, you know, if defence really does become a priority where you've got to have, you know, five uh, sort of premium fullbacks and you've got to, you know, have maybe less talent in midfield and up front, then, you know, that, that might then change. But for now, you know, he's probably a mainstay for the whole season. And, you know, part of that transfer was getting him in, knowing, you know, Newcastle's probably a game that he has a chance of getting a return. He was so close, um, you know, with that assist he, he should have had. There was a miss by one of the Saints forwards from about two yards. So, you know, that was a bit of a shame. But brought him in, him in with the idea of, um, it was Veltman out and what actually was disappointing because Veltman come out and he did play on the weekend Veltman. So he come on at half time for Brighton and he got one point. Um, and I did that transfer on based on Graham Potter's um, interview saying Veltman wasn't back till after the, uh, the international break. So, um, you know, I did that, I saved the 0.5, avoided any sort of price falls on Veltman and price rises on Liveramento. And then it kept me the 0.5 to, you know, potentially look at upgrading things in the, um, you know, the next game week. But, um, you know, now with um, the DCL uh, injury, Calvert-Lewin injury, you know, that might not happen. And, you know, my other option was Tanganga, um, who got the, the full clean sheet. So, you know, a bit of me is regretting the Liveramento transfer because I would have liked Tanganga for this game and the next game week, especially if I decide, you know, I'm not going to remove things for DCL. But, yeah, look... So going back to the original question in terms of Liberamento, I've got him now and he's probably just going to stay there the whole season at that price. Um, you know, unless he just, for whatever reason, gets dropped, then you know, I might need to sort of find another enabler at that price point if there is any more. Yeah, and obviously there is a, a fair few, well, not a fair few, but, a, you know, a little bit of a, an abundance of those sort of four million around the price of defenders. You know, you, you like to Duffy and Liberamento this season that you can definitely just have um, sitting on your bench. And then if you, they do have a favourable, uh, fixture for that week you can bring them in but it was interesting that you talked about Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison we've got a question from Pizza Boy and he asks you what you think of Damari Gray he's been outstanding the past two game weeks he says and do you think he's a guaranteed starter at only 5.6% ownership yeah he's a huge enabler right now like we've obviously thrown that phrase around a lot this season um but yeah he's probably one of the best ones right now I think at 5.5 uh, million he's got two goals um, in the first three games, he's looked sharp in every match. And, um, you know, I think he'll um, be a bit of a mainstay in that side for, you know, at least sort of the first kind of 10 or 15 games by the looks of it, unless something, you know, drastically changes at Everton. But, um, you know, right now he looks a mainstay. Um, you know, I think at that price, it's pretty good. Um, 
that whether or not he can keep these returns up, you know, I wouldn't be putting him in with the hope that he's going to score, you know, every week or, you know, score kind of every other week because I don't think he'll keep that up for the season. Um, you know, he's. I'm, I remember a few years ago at Leicester and he was in the side most weeks and it was quite hot and cold. So, um, you know, you've got to expect that at that price he'll come in and, you know, he's really just that fifth midfielder rotation shot, not someone you want to be looking at, you know, guaranteeing you points every week because I just, I still don't think he'll get that. But if he's just a fifth midfielder rotation option, um, to kind of change your formation and stuff like that, then um, yeah, it's a really good option to have. So yeah, if you can afford that, um, you know, fifth midfielder, you can you, you can get him in and do it. Yeah, and just one final question on your defence so far. One one comes in from Ollie, and he asks what you think Tanganga's job security <laughs> with Emerson coming in. You know, what what do you sort of think of that? You know, obviously the the Brazilian has transferred to Spurs um, from the La Liga. So, um, are you expecting Emerson to be starting over Tanganga now? And you know, what sort of game week do you think that Nuno might decide to make that switch? It's a good question. I like the uh, the analogy there with with his job security. Um, so yeah, nice one, Ollie. I think uh, looking at that, I'd probably say long term. Um, you know, long term, we'd probably see a, um, a threat there with Emerson Royal coming in. Um, but immediately, I don't think it will make a change for say the Palace game. And then you're probably not going to, you know, potentially want um, Spurs assets for the two games after defensively. You know, with the Chelsea game and the Derby game against Arsenal. So um, yeah, I'd probably say more long term. Um, it probably is at threat, but maybe that sort of game week nine or ten sort of period. Um, I don't think we're going to see anything immediately. Um, but, you know, there has been a few sort of whispers, you know, around the Spurs fans that, um, you know, we might revert to a back three, um, you know, which Nuno did have quite a lot of wolves. So, you know, you'd probably see Sanchez, Romero and, uh, and Tanganga in there, um, you know, with Regulon and Emerson Royale. So, you know, if they did revert to a back three, um, you know, you're probably going to want to be looking at Regulon and um, and Emerson Royale as, as fullbacks because you know they'll be quite attacking. But yeah, I'd probably say you know if you've got him, stick with him. But yeah, kind of be a bit cautious because yeah, that game week nine or ten is probably the period I think that that we might see a change if if Spurs don't change formation. Yeah, and obviously, Ollie, I don't really know if you need to be worrying about. Well, obviously, you have you have wild card as you showed us on Wednesday, and you know in your draft, you did have the, that second Spurs defender alongside Regulon, who's been a brilliant pick for you so far. So I definitely uh, understand that question because Tanganga might be in and around your drafts. But um, we'll we'll cut back to your team, Guru, and we'll move on to your midfield now. And it's just brilliant uh, point returns and assets all round for the most part, especially for this week. Just want to talk about Jack Grealish just for a second. Obviously, played for England this morning. 4-0 win against Hungary. He was, you know, brilliant again. Um, is he, you know, you've had him in for two weeks now. He's, he's sort of got those, um, the, the returns that you, you'd you hope to get. But, you know, you sort of a little bit disappointed almost with him, you know, expecting a little bit more. He's not exactly putting up uh, the numbers that, you know, he would be getting at Villa City, obviously a lot less reliant on him. But, you know, you expect, did you expect bigger hauls from him, would you say? Um, look, I think... From the Arsenal game, I, I expected probably, you know, no, it, the fact they scored five goals, I probably would have expected more than six points. If someone said to me before the game, City are going to win this match 5 0, um, you know, but Grealish is just going to get an assist, I would have, yeah, would have said that that's definitely disappointing. Um, but over the course of the two games, 14 points is quite a good return. Um, you know, he's got a goal, he's got an assist, he's got a couple of clean sheet points. Um, and it's promising because if they're, you know, light returns from Grealish right now, then, you know, 
imagine when they they end up being the big returns. Um, so I'm pretty happy to sort of have him in. If you look at some of the stats there, you can see he's three out of 244 midfielders for creativity. So, you know, he's shown a lot of uh, creative spark. He's number six for threat, um, number four on the ICT index and 11 for influence. So, you know, I do think, um, you know, those numbers so far, eight and six, they look quite light, but if he keeps those, um, you know, the creativity, the threat, the influence up, then, um, you know, I think he'll, um, he could end up doubling those numbers that we've seen. And I'm pretty, um, yeah, pretty, pretty happy just to have him in right now and um, just keep seeing how he does. Cause if he returns with eight points, you know, six points and then another six next week and sort of six a week after, you know, I've got an asset that's just performing every week. So um, yeah, pretty happy, but yeah, probably not someone I can kind of captain rely on as a captain right now, but yeah, returning some sort of healthy points so far. Yeah, and no, a big clash against the Foxes up next for Man City. So I'm sure you'll be keeping an eager eye on Jack Grealish all throughout the international break. But um, Human Son, the man who's just placed next to him in your team, we we did speak about him a lot last week as well, but it's, it's still just so relevant, you know, with the return of Harry Kane. Again, we'll speak a lot about the international football, Harry Kane, obviously grabbing himself another goal this morning, a lovely uh, cushion header into the back of the net. So um, do you think, you know, Son and Kane had such a brilliant partnership last season do you think that, you know, it sort of takes away from Son's value a little bit, Kane coming back? Or do you think we're really going to see those two explode, you know, as a, as a duo that we saw so much last season, um, you know, now with the return of Harry Kane? Oh, last, I think, um, you know, his value still stays similar in terms of his um, importance. Um, you know, Kane is he obviously plays that kind of false nine, you know, drops a bit deeper now. He's... Um, you know, and he'll he'll still be uh, putting those balls through for some to run on to. Um, you know, especially in say like that next fixture against Palace. You know, potentially uh, or even the Chelsea even the Chelsea game. You know, playing on the break against a team like Chelsea probably gonna have more of the ball. Um, you know, when Kane picks that ball up, doesn't matter where on the pitch he is. You could see it against Watford. He's always looking for Son every single time. So, yeah, I think the importance of Son um, in the Spurs team and in in your FPL teams is still gonna be you know sky high. Um, you know, I would not be, uh, you know, I'd not be uh, taking him out if you own him right now. No way, not with, uh, not with that Palace fixture. Yeah, and especially you know, two returns from three games. I'm sure you'd, you'd definitely take that if someone had offered you that uh, heading into the first international break of the season. But um, we're just going to cut back to the defence just for a little bit because we've got a fair few comments regarding that. So just remember, if you are watching live. Uh, Drop as many comments as you'd like and we can do our best to get to them. And don't forget to like and subscribe so that you never miss an upload. But it's uh, it's from Daniel and he asks, you know, we've had a lot of the Reese James chat. Game week seven, Reese James, he's going to have it tattooed on him at some point, I think. But he says, you know, Marcus Alonso, is, is he a good option? He seems to be starting a lot for Chelsea over Ben Chilwell for this season. And he says he wants that Carlos Alberto 70 vibe. <laughs> yeah, look, um, yeah, look, Alonso has got that kind of, uh, you know, Samba football vibe to him. He just, you know, gets forward so much and bombs up that left-hand side. Um, he's definitely one to sort of consider. Um, again, like we always speak about that game week seven onwards. So you know, if he's still in the team at that point, um, then, yeah, you've got to consider him. I remember about three, four years ago in, in FPL when um, Alonso was just so high up the pitch um, and he was just scoring goals for fun for Chelsea. There was one game against... Leicester was met a few years back and um, I think he got a um, two goals from defence. He ended up with a clean sheet. He got an absolute monster score and, um, you know, he's just a massive threat for Chelsea. So, yeah, I think keep your eyes on him. If, if around game week seven, he's still in that starting lineup in the Premier League, then, um, 
yeah, you're probably going to have to sort of think about putting him in um, in your team because then obviously there's Chilwell, who's, who's brilliant as well and a big attacking threat. Um, but you'd probably think that Chilwell would then play in the um, in the cups in the Champions League. So um, yeah, he's definitely one to keep an eye out for. But um, again, yeah, you can just never trust um, Chelsea and Tuchel and, and you know the amount of options and rotation they have. But um, yeah, to sort of answer your question, I'd, I'd be keeping very close eyes on him. He's got potential to get big scores. And I think the thing about Alonso um, that's so good about him is he's always got that uh, free kick in his locker um, and he can always be a, a captain shout as well, I think. So, um, yeah, I really like that shout. Yeah, and I think a lot of people forget that, you know, Marcus Alonso has been such a brilliant asset for FPL at Spells for, you know, so many seasons now, going back as soon as I can remember, you know, when I sort of started playing, when he was just, you know, even new to, to Chelsea in the Premier League, he's been such a brilliant asset for so long. And as you say, he's dangerous from set pieces, free kicks. Um, and with the system that Chelsea play, you know, with those sort of overlapping fullbacks, and um, there's always the opportunity that he's going to find himself in a, a shooting position for Chelsea. So I think, you know, Marcus Alonso is a, a brilliant shout, but it's, it's much the same, like, Man City, isn't it? You know, there's always that off chance that Tuchel just decides one Friday night, mm, going to start Chilwell yeah. this week. Alonso, <laughs> Alonso can get his rest. You know, it's, it's that sort of um, system where they've got the players that they can rotate in and out if, you know, if that is what Tuchel wants for that week. So it's uh, it's definitely an interesting one. But, you know, it, a lot of people would have slept on Marcus Alonso at the start of the season. But um, he seems to be getting the start now and favoured by Tuchel. So I definitely think it's um it's a very good shout. We'll move on to Mohamed Salah. And um, there's not too much to say about him, is there really, other than the fact that I'm going to assume that you're going to be sticking with him for a fair bit of the foreseeable future, Matt. Oh, 100%. He's staying in my team. And, you know, I'll kind of give you a little bit of an idea now as to why. Um you know, just look at these fixtures, you know, how can you, uh, you know, how can you not have him, um, you know, Leeds away is going to be, it should be an open game. You then got Palace at home, Brentford away, um, City game. Okay. Looks tough on paper, but then Watford, Brighton. So sort of these next sort of what we got there, four, five, six, seven sort of fixtures. Um, he's got a lot of green in there, showed against Chelsea in the tough one, um, you know, that he can still, Fine points. Obviously, got the penalty, got the bonus. So, yeah, Salah stayed to me. Um, yeah, I can't really look past him. There's probably not really too many games in there that, if you ask me, will Salah score? That I'd say no. I just I feel like he can just score in any fixture, and you know he's fixture proof. And you know Liverpool have looked, um, you know, pretty good as well at the start of the season. So yeah, he'll be staying in my team. There's there's definitely uh, no way he's leaving anytime soon. Yeah, and if, if you were asked to define, you know, a fixture-proof asset in, in FPL this season, I think Mohamed Salah is definitely up there with uh, contention to be one of the first choices for a lot of people. But um, Bruno Fernandes rounds out your midfield, and we will touch on him a little bit later, and that man in your defence, uh, Amati, in a little bit of a stick-or-twist section. But um, without revealing too much, Guru, do you think that, you know, the, the arrival of Ronaldo, similar to the, the Kane and Son, in my opinion, you know, the reliance on Bruno for Man United, you know, the burden might be lifted for for um, Bruno a little bit with Ronaldo's arrival, but do you think that's going to um, elevate Bruno because he's going to have you know another outlet of you know supply for his assists and stuff like that? Then we might just see a little bit of a withdrawal on his goals and you know his penalties, as we always say. You know Bruno and penalties, it's one of the first things that pops to your mind. But do you think that he's still going to be worth having in even with the arrival of CR7? I think short term we're just going to have to. I think it's just more of a sort of case by case, take it as it comes. Um, you know, I think it all does look quite positive for him. If he keeps penalties, um, 
you know, they'll probably win more pens now with Ronaldo. Um, you know, got a chance of winning more uh, pens for the team. And if Fernandez is still on them, which he could, I, you know, I think his ratio of penalties I saw the other day, um, you know, is better than Ronaldo's. He probably is a, be- a better penalty taker than, than Ronaldo as well. Um, you know, we saw Ronaldo miss one for Portugal the other night. So and he's missed a few in the past. I think Bruno is pretty immaculate from that. So, you know, I'd be surprised if he does lose um, his penalty duties. Um, so if he doesn't lose them and then having Ronaldo in the team with him, I think it makes him a stronger asset because you know, Ronaldo's going to be dragging places out left, right and centre, um, you know, leaving gaps and space for Fernandez to kind of capitalise on. And, you know, the, the uh, opposition's probably not going to be focusing as much on Bruno. They'll be focusing on Ronaldo. And, yeah, I think um, he's definitely one just in the short term, just just keep him. What I, I just, I'm, what I'm kind of struggling with a lot of the community at the moment is just, getting shot of Bruno already and you're thinking there's that Newcastle game coming up and, you know, you're taking a minus four or a minus eight to bring Ronaldo in when you've got Bruno Fernandes just there ready to be, you know, to be captained against um, against the Toons. So, yeah, I think um, sort of the short term, you know, Newcastle, West Ham, up to the Villa game, you know, you want to keep him and see how he goes because you know, he didn't spend 12 and a half million, oh, sorry, 12, 12 million in Bruno just to have him for sort of three matches and dispose of him. So, yeah, he's another one that's uh, that's staying for me as well. Yeah, I think it's a, a very sensible answer from you there, Guru. But um, if you are watching along live, let us know, you know, give us your um, opinion on the, the situation with Ronaldo and Bruno. You know, do you think it's going to make Bruno a little bit redundant for this season at his, you know, expensive price? And you think Ronaldo is going to be the better asset? Or do you think that together they're going to form a, a Kane-Son type partnership in the league and, um, you know, sort of start to tear things up? We've already got a comment from Daniel about that. He says, short term, play wildcard and triple captain CR7. So, uh, Guru... <laughs> <laughs> What's your opinion on that one? Yeah, look, there's uh, obviously everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but for me, you know, four weeks into the season, I would not be burning a um, you know a triple captain and, and a wild card. It's probably not something on my radar. Um, but you know, if your gut's telling you that you need to wild card and Ronaldo's going to come out against Newcastle and you know score four or five goals and, um, you know, it's probably something you'd want to do. But for me, um, yeah, I'd not be uh, be using that yet. I think uh, the triple captain for me might go on Ronaldo this season, but it would be a double game week if I'm going to do it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be using my... thing is, though, if you if you wildcard next game, you can't triple captain on the same day anyway. So, um, you know, you're not actually able to do that. But, you know, if it's wildcard for game week four um, to get Ronaldo in and then, you know, burn the triple captain the week after, I, I probably wouldn't do that. There's his, uh, his follow-up to that one there. Sirius is always, you know, always trying to give out the best advice. Jack says that he says he's going to be keeping Bruno and will try bringing CR7 where he can and try to keep Salah to do his best. And Oli has asked as well who you think is going to be the better asset out of Salah or Ronaldo, both priced at that 12.5 million, obviously very expensive asset. You'd be doing quite well to get both of them into your side. But it's quite a difficult question to answer, I'm sure, Guru, when we haven't really seen Ronaldo um, back in the Premier League, we obviously know what he can do and uh, what he's going to bring to that Man United side. But, you know, if I had to ask you now off the top of your head, Salah or Bruno for the next game week, you know, next couple of fixtures, who, who would you still take? Uh, oh, sorry, is it Salah or Bruno or Salah and Ronaldo? Salah and Ronaldo, sorry. Ronaldo? Um, oh, Salah. Yeah, there's there's no way I um, I would dispose of Salah for Ronaldo at this stage. Obviously, if you can have both in, great. But if you've got to pick one or the other right now, like 
can't look past Salah. I think um, you know, he's always in the goals for Liverpool. Midfielder points as well are massive in uh, in fantasy league, and I think a lot of people forget. You know, you're paying premium price for Salah and premium price for Ronaldo, but every time Salah scores a goal, you're getting a point extra. Um, so, you know, if, if he scores two goals, you get two more points. Um, you know, which again, if you've captained him, you're then doubling those points. So, I think for me, Salah, um, you know, with Brentford, uh, Leeds, who've obviously leaked a few goals this season. Uh, Brentford and uh, and Palace in their next three. Um, yeah, Salah's got the better fixtures and um, and he's a midfielder. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be backing Salah over the two. Yeah, and FPL over Ducky, it's really good to see you uh, around here again and, you know, letting us in on your opinion. He reckons that Bruno's going to struggle uh, when Ronaldo comes in, you know, just based off his performances in, in the Portugal team when Ronaldo was there. And I think it's a, a pretty fair comparison, but, we, you know, we all know what Bruno Fernandes can bring to a team, Matt, don't we? So do you think that, um, you know, Bruno is going to, we're going to see a, a drop off from him? Yeah, look, I guess the, the jury's going to be out, but, um, no, I just I think it's going to uh, I, I, the Portugal one's a fair assessment because you know we have seen Bruno drop off at times uh, for Portugal, but then we've seen you know international football is a different game, um, you know, and we've seen times where you know Ronaldo and Bruno haven't performed together for for Portugal themselves and stuff. So um, I, I just can't see Bruno. Yeah, I just can't see Bruno dropping off in these sort of early fixtures against, uh, you know, Newcastle against, um, you know, Villa at home and, and the West Ham game. I just think he's going to return being one of them. Um, I just can't see a drop off. I think it's going to lift him. Um, like I was saying before, Ronaldo is going to be giving him all sorts of you know, dragging defenders out left, dragging them out wide, out wide, and that type of thing. And it's just going to give Fernando more space. Uh, Fernando's more uh, spaces. So I think it's going to. Um, yeah, it's going to lift his game personally, but yeah, I guess the jury's out and, um, you know, I could be wrong. Yeah. And as you were speaking of West Ham and Aston Villa, it's a pretty good transition into the rest of your forward line with uh, Danny Ings and Mikel Antonio. What a start to the season. Those two have both had respectively, especially Mikel Antonio, but um, Danny Ings is, you know, he's one on a lot of FPL managers' minds at the minute. A lot of people would have been delighted with the start that he's had, you know, the, the two goals and the assist in the first three game weeks. If, you know, you're offered that for his price point of 8 million at the start of the season, as we've said, heading into the first international break, I know as a FPL manager at that price I absolutely would have taken that so I've been delighted with him so far other than that absolute screamer against my team Newcastle but um if you look on his fixtures you know there's a lot of red coming up for uh, for Villa um you know for the next four game weeks they've got uh red fixtures I think first of all it's uh, a pretty fair assessment to say that that Everton one maybe could be dropped down just one rating and could maybe be you know that sort of dark grey or that white fixture but um the rest of them seem pretty fair to me so do you think that Danny Ings is uh is he that sort of fixture proof asset almost and he can you know pull something out of the bag for most games no matter what team he's playing against 100 percent, and I think the he definitely is fixture proof. I think the Ings thing was something I was looking at game week four, um, where I was just adamant on bringing in, um, you know, DCL for him. Um, or, you know, there's people adamant on, on sort of taking hits and getting rid of him because of these fixtures. But I've had a bit of a change of thought in the last week and I've looked at these fixtures and, you know, Chelsea away. So Chelsea are going to have a number of players coming back from internationals. Um, you know, Ings is going to be fresh. He's got no international football. He's got Ollie Watkins to join him as well in a front two. Um, so I can see Ings scoring goals in this run. Um, Everton at home as well. Um, I can see him scoring in that one. 
he scored. The thing is, as well, he scored against all these sides before. He's had a, uh, I think it was an eleven-point haul at Stamford Bridge last season for for Saints. It might have been a nine or 10, 11 point haul. So he got a goal in that one. I think he got an assist too. Um, he scored against Everton before. He's done the business at Old Trafford before. He scored against Spurs in nearly every match he's played uh, in the last few years. So um, you know, I think uh, and and. This is all going on to the fact that Ings has returned in every single game for us this season. So, um, yeah, again, I think um might just be well well worth uh, holding. Look, the Chelsea game does look tough, but, you know, Filler are going to score. Um, you'd probably back him. And, yeah, he's probably someone that, that might just stay in mind if, um, you know, I, I might roll over the transfers. Obviously, I'll talk more about that in a week after the international break, but I'm considering keeping him. And, you know, hopefully he then becomes that, that differential Um that we kind of always wanted him to be. So, yeah, definitely fixture proof for me, Danny Ings. He's a, he's a top player. Yeah, just as you were, you know, reeling off the the teams that he has scored against from that list, you know, it's also worth mentioning that he was doing that for Southampton, which are a fairly significantly weaker side than the, the Aston Villa team that he is a part of now. So I definitely think it's a fair point. And I think, you know, the, the red fixtures um, for Danny Ings coming up and Aston Villa, for, for Ings especially, don't necessarily always tell the, uh, the full story for him. Because as you say, he's one that, you know, he can pull anything out. He can get his team across the line. He's that prolific striker that um, Villa and have needed for a little bit since they've come back up to the Premier League. So he's probably, in my opinion, still a, a much more valuable asset than Watkins, especially even if Watkins comes back into the team. But I think Danny Ings is a, a very fair uh, asset to have even for the next four sort of game weeks and just see see how he goes. And if he if he's not firing for you, then you're happy to, to move on with him in part ways and maybe bring him back in when they are. the fixtures are looking a little bit greener. But um, Mikel Antonio, you know, it doesn't seem to matter who he's playing against at the minute. Um, he's just getting points left, right and centre, isn't he, Guru? So, you know, it's a fairly safe assessment to say that he won't be a part of your transfer plans for uh, for next game week. Oh, there's no way he's coming out of my side anytime soon. And obviously, the you know the community who, f- who follow our uh, podcast probably know he's in my draft team as well. Managed to get him on a, uh, a trade with Ollie pretty early on. So um, yeah, he's doing the business for me on all fronts. Um, won't be leaving my side. You know, one in he's number one there in threat, number three in creativity, one in influence, one in the ICT index overall. So yeah, you'd be crazy to um, you know to get rid of him right now. But there might be a stage where, you know, things do change for him. He's obviously known to have quite, um, you know, dodgy hamstrings and West Ham are going to be in the Europa League two games a week. You know, if he starts playing on Thursday nights, you might not want him, uh, you know, in your team for, for the Premier League because you'd expect maybe injuries or he might slow down a bit. But, you know, right now, again, this I'm looking at these fixtures and I just can't see a game where he doesn't score. Um, you know, Saints can see him scoring in that. You know, United at home, I can see him sort of bullying, uh, you know, that United defence, um, you know, Leeds, Brentford. I think they're all great fixtures. So, yeah, definitely someone um, I would not be selling, um, not even for Ronaldo at the, at the moment. I think you look at his, um, yeah, his points so far, they're just unbelievable. 13 against the Toon, 16 against Leicester, 11 against Palace. It's, um, you know, this is, uh, this, this is just unbelievable value. It's, yeah, this is... Um, you know, this his price point really with the points he's hitting at the moment. You know, that's twelve and a half, thirteen million sort of price point stuff. So yeah, don't sell him. Keep him at all costs if if you've got him at the moment. 
Yeah, I just want to fling it back to a tweet that I definitely mentioned on the podcast last week, but it was, you know, revolving around the Ronaldo, Kane, Lukaku debate. And it was, you know, someone said that it's, it's difficult, you know, with all those three assets, but it's even more difficult realising that you've got to fit all three of those in when one of the spots is already vacant with that, uh, with Mikel Antonio, because he's just so essential for FPL managers at the minute. As I've said, he's doing the business left, right and centre for West Ham. And as you said, three three game weeks, three double digit hauls. It's, uh, it's, you know, you'd be paying, you'd expect that from your Salas and your, your Fernandezes and you'd be delighted with that but for someone that started at seven and a half million um, absolutely you'd be crazy not to have taken that at the start of the season but um, Chris Reed has got a little question for us just quickly if we can uh, reel this off the top of our head he reckons he wants to know what the best three enabler sort of midfielders are the one that pops to mind for me pretty quickly is Rafinha I know Leeds have got a fair bit of green coming up now but um, is there any others that you can think of the head group yeah, I definitely think uh, there's a couple. Um, I'm going to go with Odegaard from Arsenal. Um, I know they've obviously not started the season well at all, haven't scored a goal in, in the league, but you know their run does get better. Look, we can sort of hover on um, you know, Ben White quickly and we'll just have a look at the fixtures. And I can actually see Arsenal um, you know, getting some stability back and potentially some points in the, uh, the Norwich-Burnley game. And you know, there's a bit more green sort of coming up later on with Palace and Villa at home. So... Someone like Odegaard, he's five and a half million at the moment. Um, you know, he's probably going to be on a few set pieces as well, I believe. I think last year he was on uh, a few free kicks for Arsenal. You've got Emil Smith-Rowe as well. So there's definitely a couple to look out for. Um, obviously, Elliot's mentioned Rafinha, who's that million uh, pound more. But um, you know, Daniel James is someone I'm keeping my eyes on at the moment as well. Six million. Um, you know, he's got a point to prove uh, going to Leeds. You know, I think they've um, they've said he's got to lose weight and um, you know that type of stuff and get back into shape. But he showed in his early days at United that he does know where the net is and um, you know when he's fit, he's a good player. So I think Daniel James at six millions definitely wants to look out for. And um, yeah, another one which um, Jack's going to appreciate me uh, saying this one because um, you know he he uh, him and me have had a bit of a debate about this player. But there's a Wolves player, Traore, who I think six million is someone that. Okay, he hasn't been able to sort of hit a barn door as of yet, but I think with this run for Wolves, um, you know, he will eventually uh, not just score goals, but he will be getting assists for the likes of uh, Trincao and Jimenez. So, um, yeah, there's been a bit of a sort of debate around the uh, the podcast with me and Jack about me sort of liking Traore because he was linked with Spurs, but I do generally think he's a um, yeah he's a genuine enabler um, for this sort of next four or five games. The underlying stats are kind of there in terms of the shots he's getting off on goal, the amount of dribbles that he's making. Um, but obviously, he uh, he obviously can't hit that bundle right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's definitely sort of a big enabler for me. So um, yeah, I'm liking Traore. Um, what I see, I think he's got that potential. Um, so two years ago, he was about five and a half million in FBL, and he was in everyone's team for kind of the back end of the season. And I think we could see that type of form again. Um, you know, Wolves have got Watford next. Um, I think they've got Brentford in there as well. They're like Norwich. Um, and it's a really nice set of fixtures for Wolves. So, yeah, Trero probably sort of rounds up those kind of enablers. Yeah, and I think it's a, a very good point that you made. You know, the back end of that 18 19 season, I definitely remember having both Raul Jimenez and Adama Traore in my team because they, they had that sort of partnership together. I remember a game against Southampton where they actually went 2 0 down, came up 3 2 winners. Um, the, the Man City game where, you know, Jimenez and 
Adama were combining for for goals at, at, down at the Molyneux. So um, he's definitely a good asset. And I did read, um, I don't look into expected goals too much, but um, a lot of Traore's, you know, misses and stuff like that. A lot of people say that they don't actually come from too high of a, an, an expected goal. But um, obviously we're diving in to something quite statistical there and not really something that I pay too much attention to. But um, that sort of wraps up your team guru. And obviously for everyone that is watching now, um, you know, you're going to have to come back next week on Friday, same time uh, to see which transfers that the guru has made. But um, we'll move on to a more discussion sort of base section now. And we'll start with Rory's question because it leads me right into the sort of stick or twist section. And he asked the best player to transfer in for Harvey Barnes. So he was my first one that I sort of just wanted to ask you about guru because there's been a lot of FPL managers that are absolutely disappointed with the start that Harvey Barnes has had. So first of all, I just want to ask you if, if he's in people's teams, do you think they should stick with him or should they twist and you know sort of look for a different outlet in their midfield yeah like i probably I'm not, I'm not someone to to react but um three games in seven million there's there's better options below that i'd, I'd be twisting on the on harvey barnes right now he's just not shown any sort of promise which is a shame because he's obviously a good fbl asset to have but yeah i'd be twisting and um you know i think you could probably uh look at the likes of uh, rafinha if you don't have him yeah, other than the Liverpool game, they've got a good run. Um, you can look at Trincao or Traore from Wolves. I think both of those players um, are going to get in good positions. Um, they're both six million. You've got Ben Rama. There's just so many options. Um, you know, even Daniel James, who I mentioned before, sort of see how he goes, and then um, you can save yourself a million and get him in. So yeah, lots of options, and I'd probably be uh, downgrading and sort of banking a million or or so um, by getting rid. And Daniel's made a very good point with the uh, the sort of situation at Leeds at the minute with Daniel James's transfer. Um, a lot of people are saying that Rafinha will move sort of inside to that sort of number 10 uh, role where I'm sure he would absolutely flourish and, you know, would allow Dan James to use that blistering pace that um, that we all know he has. But um, Pizza Boy also makes a very fair uh, point. He says that, you know, the likes of Jack Harrison and Diaz, uh, Dallas, sorry, were both very good for Leeds last season. So I think that they're definitely uh, some some pretty good options as well. But I would definitely agree with you there. Um, you know, Harvey Barnes was in a fair few of my drafts at the start of the season. And if, you know, if he's blanking in all three of these games, I think there's a, a lot of midfielders in and around him that uh, could definitely be doing better for your teams. But um, the second one was a man that we sort of missed uh, going through with your team. And it's a Marty from Leicester. And um, he was obviously, you know, that, that four million uh, defender that, you know, we got the news so late that he was going to be, you know, involved with Leicester's early season plans due to injuries. But, you know, he hasn't really had too many returns. He's had that one clean sheet for Leicester on the first game. But um, do you think he, he's worth keeping for a lot of people? Or do you think the likes of Duffy and, uh, and Livermento are sort of overshadowing him in the minute? Yeah, look, I, again, like he's so cheap. He's just someone that if you're going to have him now going forward, it's kind of just a get some money in your team you'll probably be putting him on the bench because i think um Vestergaard will come back into the team um you've got johnny evans to come back as well um i don't think we'll be seeing too much game time going forward in the league for for amati um you know leicester have conceded goals with him in in the last couple of games as well so yeah if there's another four million uh, pound player um you know coming in uh, or playing sorry like you live Ramento. um i think there was another one with wolves as well um uh, no, it's Kilman actually. Kilman's four point five this week. Uh, not, not that man season, on the sorry. screen there. Not yeah, so. well, he's he, he's one. I'd say um, he's four point five. He's one that um, I'm actually. If I if I decide, obviously, we'll talk more next week. But if I decide, I'm going to keep things. 
Marcel is potentially going to be my um, my sort of transfer. I think he's a solid. He's looking solid. Wolves obviously only conceded. I've conceded in each game, but they've been unlucky with the goals they've conceded. And I think there's going to be a lot of clean sheets in that in that team. And I think Marcel um, is definitely one to keep an eye out on. He gets on the ball a lot as well. He's kind of a ball playing, you know, central defender, which is what you want because the more touches they get on the ball, the more chance they're going to get of a um, bonus point. Um, and, and, you know, to do well in the BPS. So, um, yeah, definitely like in Marcel. Um, and, yeah, in terms of Marty, I think, yeah, if, if you're kind of having him in your team because you want to play him, um, it's probably not not the best idea because Leicester are conceding goals and he's going to, um, you know, probably leave that team once Evans and Vestergaard come back, which, you know, by the sounds of it, they're going to be back pretty swiftly. So, yeah, you could probably go for Livermento instead. Yeah, I think it's a very fair point. And if you are watching live, but um, we'd appreciate any sort of comments uh, about that sort of, you know, those cheap sort of enabler defenders other than the, uh, you know, the, the classic ones like your Duffies and your Livermentos. If there's any other sort of gold mines that you think uh, a lot of FPL managers could be hitting. But um, the last one on the radar for the stick or twist is Bruno Fernandes, Matt. And we've spoken a lot about him and uh, what Ronaldo sort of means. But is your contention going to be the same for that? You know, stick with Bruno for the meantime, see what sort of effect that Ronaldo Ronaldo has on him and uh, then sort of make a, an educated decision from there. Yeah, look, if it's one or the other um, and you've already got Bruno right now, I'd say stick. Um, yeah, why not? You've sort of, you've put the investment in him. Um, you know, you've trusted him in the sort of the, the early stages. He's got a really good return in the first game week. He was unlucky not to grab a goal at Wolves. He was offside. Um, so, yeah, I think if it's, if you've already got Fernandez. Um, you might as well just keep him. Um, you know, if you decide in between the two and you've got neither of them, um, I'd probably then sway more towards all right. Well, you can kind of already sort of afford to get Ronaldo in, but if it's a case of just sort of sticking with someone now, then um, yeah, you've got to you've got to stick with Bruno. I just think it's not worth transferring out a premium Man United player um, in midfield to you know bring in a premium Man United forward where you're probably going to have to take a hit that way. So just stick with him. Yeah, we've got another question from Pizza Boy, and he asked for uh, your opinion on Saul, uh, Saul or however you pronounce his name, the uh, Athletic, the was of Atletico Madrid, now on loan at Chelsea. I've seen a lot of people uh, weighing on their decision on him on Twitter. But um, will you be calling Saul into your team, or do you think that you'll sort of be holding off with him? Yeah, look, I'm just having a, a quick double check on him now on, uh, on my other screen just to get confirmation on the. Uh... On his price at the moment, um, I'm not sure if he's had a, uh, a price of price reveal just yet, has he? I don't think so. so. I'm not sure if he's been added in. No, I don't think he's been added in. Um, look, oh, here he is. Sorry, he's five and a half million. So, it's um, like yeah. yeah. So, look, we've seen him play. Um, we've seen him do things for Athletic Madrid in the Champions League with some attacking returns before. But um, yeah, for me, I. I wouldn't be uh, dying to get him in my team anytime soon. I wouldn't want to take up a Chelsea space because um, for me, when the Chelsea fixtures take that nice swing and they and they get good, you know, you'd be looking at Lukaku, um, you know, maybe a, um, a defensive double up somewhere, um, you know, or you'd maybe probably look at um, a Mason Mount um, or Havertz. But yeah, I don't, I don't think Sal's worth taking up a Chelsea spot at five and a half million right now. Um Again, though, I guess it just depends on um, what Tuchel decides to do, where he decides to play him. But, yeah, my immediate thoughts on putting him in would, would be no. 
yeah, and Daniel's just weighed up his uh, opinion in there and he reckons that if he's playing as an eight or a 10, he's probably worth having. But as a six, you know, he's that sort of uh, probably be even less valuable than Kante and Jorginho because he's not on penalties and Kante obviously does like to get forward that little bit more. But um, he also mentions that Saul did play left back a little bit uh, for Atletico Madrid. And, you know, that's probably just pretty typical of uh, Diego Simeone, to be honest, uh, sticking all his players at fullback. But um, I think it's a very fair assessment of him there. I think we'll have to definitely wait and see. Yeah, I think uh, for Champions League fantasy, it's uh, it's probably a different story because, you know, that's probably where you're going to see him play a lot of minutes as well. And you've got that extra point for, for three ball recovery. So, yeah, if you're in our Champions League Fantasy League, then, um, you know, probably put them in there. But again, yeah, we'll save that one for our for our Champions League podcast. But yeah, Premier League, I'd hold off for now. Yeah, and that is your your reminder to get involved with the, uh, the Champions League Fantasy. It's a nice little sort of break from FPL and uh, a little bit refreshing. But um, we will touch on your, your Scout 11 guru for this week, if I just bring up my share screen now. Sorry, um, I think it's just definitely worth touching on because, you know, it's 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 doing the, the business every single week so it's definitely an advert for people that you know if you are playing your free hit or your wild card for that week it's definitely worth you know tuning in and listening to what the guru has to say because as you can see 75 points there with this team obviously the the big call of the Antonio captaincy has paid off but even the likes of you know the the Spurs double up and the Ricardo Pereira uh, his assist for uh, for Jamie Vardy's goal you know massive massive uh haul here from the, the scout 11 so are you pretty happy with uh, your picks for this week? Yeah, look, it's uh, it was a good team um, this week. It did well. I'm really happy with that defence. Like you mentioned, Lloris Sanchez, um, really, really good. Pereira was lucky to get that assist early on and then he come off injured. So, um, you know, he didn't sort of lose any points um, from, from goals conceded. Cresswell um, got a bit of a dubious assist, but again, he still returned. Um, Son did the business. Yeah, a bit, bit of disappointment with... Finia, Barnes and Fernandez, but it was more than made up with with that front three. Antonio Hall as captain, um, which we kind of all hoped and knew he would. Uh, Ings got another return, but I think the one I'm seeing most happy with this week is uh, is Gabriel Jesus, who I think he only got about 60 minutes, but you know he's come out of 12 points. He's you know 8.5 million or so. Um, you know he's returned in two out of two games, and yeah, you know we're all talking about Ronaldo this, Ronaldo that, but. Man City are still the stand outside in this league, um, and he's on fire at the moment. And you know, he's looking good off that right hand side, and he's he's a lot cheaper. So, yeah, really happy with the Jesus shout. If I'm gonna, out of all of them, he's probably the one I'm sort of really happy with, along with Antonio as captain. Yeah, and I'm sure he gets the uh, Daniel Capillaro stamp of approval as well. Gabriel Jesus, you know, being Brazilian, uh, we know he likes his, uh, his Bobby Dazzlers, as he says, his uh, entertainers, the exciting players. And uh, Gabriel Jesus would definitely fit under there. And he's one that I definitely uh, benefited from. He's been in my draft team for uh, for a little bit. So uh, he's definitely done really well for me. But as I mentioned, um, it's definitely the Scout 11 is definitely important. If you are playing your wild card or your free hit, um, we'll obviously have a, a new one for game week four on the podcast next week. So make sure you tune in for then because I know a lot of you are fairly keen on using your wild card. But um, that brings me to my next question for you, Guru. Um, you know, wild card, yes or no? There's been a lot of discussion about it um, this early on. Obviously, our, our very own Statman Dave and Ollie have both played their wild cards. But um, are you sort of, you're not very keen on it, are you? Um, not, not if, uh, you sort of had a good, stable, steady start. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I always say you sort of build a team game week one for the kind of first 10 fixtures. 
Um, and if you've had a good start, then why are you going to sort of tear that up? You've got players on form, um, you know, and a lot of people are wildcarding, you know, to kind of bring one or two players in. And, you know, you're kind of bringing in those two players. They could have a bad game week and then you're kind of stuck with, you know, a squad of players that you know probably aren't quite what you want. Um, you know, and the fixtures are going to swing again. Game week seven, there's a big swing. There's a big fixture swing in, I think, game week 14, um, which is the start of December going into that Christmas period where there's a lot of games. Um, so you kind of want a wild card up your sleeve for around game week seven or even December. Um, you're going to want to make sure if you've wildcarded now, you've got you've got a plan for you know the next few months because yeah, you've you've got to make that team last until the new year. So yeah, probably not so keen in a wildcard right now if you're stable and doing well. But you know, if you're sitting in like the um, you know the bottom couple of million and you know you're sort of not getting any points from anywhere, then um, yeah, you're probably going to need a refresh. But you know if you're sort of sitting okay, top sort of 500k at the moment. Um, you know, and you're getting you're getting captain returns. You're getting some some players that are on form. Then why change it? Yeah, and I think it's a fair point. I, I know the the addition of Ronaldo and the the reoccurrence of Harry Kane, the reappearance from him, and the the addition of Lukaku to the league has definitely swayed a lot of people into uh you know playing that early wild card because they you know they really want to hit the ground running with those assets. You know, when maybe you know a couple of people are trying to you know figure out how they can get them into their team without um without uh, playing that that wild card, which as you said is, is so so precious uh, to a lot of FPL managers, because you obviously only get your two for the season, one for the first half, one for the second half. So it's definitely important that um, that you hold on. But um, it's a, it's a, another good question that I want to ask you now: Is Ronaldo twelve and a half million? Um, do you think that's a, a fair price point for him? Obviously, the same as Mohamed Salah, that little bit more than Bruno Fernandez. Do you think that that's a, a fair estimation for his price? Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, he's not been in the Premier League for a long time. He's not dubbed as a midfielder in the game anymore. So he's not going to get, you know, the same amount of points probably than what he did last time. Um, that type of price point, you know, he's coming in with the expectation of 25 Premier League goals minimum, um, you know, with 10 plus assists. So, um, yeah, look, I guess because... You know, he's one of the best players in the world and what he's done in his career and what he's previously done in the league. And, you know, he's still scoring was scoring goals at Juve at his age. Um, you know, I think, yeah, probably justified the price for those reasons. But for that that price point, you know, if you're going to change your team for this man, you're going to be, yeah, you're going to be wanting at least Harry Kane numbers last season from him. Um, you know, so, um, but yeah, I think, I think the, the price is fair. Yeah, I think it's a very fair point that you make. Obviously, you know, a lot of people know that it's Cristiano Ronaldo, such a big name in world football, you know, considered as the greatest of all time by a lot of people, uh, not the Man United fans for that small period of time when he was going to be going to Man City. But uh, parity has been restored for them. So uh, they definitely think that he is uh, the greatest player to ever grace the pitch. But um you know, you're definitely not going to be one that's going to, you know, bend the goalpost too much with your team and sacrifice too much to, to bring Ronaldo in early on then, do you think, Guru? Uh, look, if I if I had the space up front, say I had the money and I could do a straight swap uh, for one of my strikers that wasn't Antonio, um, then I would I'd do it for the Newcastle game just because, you know, everyone really wants Ronaldo in their team. But um, because I've got to either use a wild card or take, you know, a minus four or, you know, a few different hits, um, you know, I don't want to mess up my uh, my transfer strategy or my transfer plan right now, um, you know, and... Uh, 
even these next kind of early um, fixtures for him, a couple of greens in there, but you're getting the like to Liverpool, Man City. Um, you know, I think there's a fixture against obviously Spurs, who obviously started well, and there's a lot of red. So, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to be uh, changing my team right now, but he'll be in my team at some point this season. Um, you know, obviously going to Ollie's question um, when um, probably. I might look because I'm planning on wildcarding around that game week seven times, so um, seven or eight times. So I'll probably try and maybe try and fit Ronaldo in for game week six, and then um, yeah. Other than that, I'll probably then take him out on wildcard, and then I won't bring him back till about game week fourteen, probably. So yeah, he's not someone that I feel like I need immediately. Yeah, and Daniel's definitely put his opinion on the uh, on the Ronaldo saga as well. And, you know, Man United fans won't be too happy he seeing can't. that. He says he, uh, he, wanted them, he wanted to see him at Man City just so he could hear Liam Gallagher from Oasis. And I'm sure a lot of Man City fans would have preferred that as well. But um, that does sort of bring us to the, the close of the, the team selection podcast. We will obviously be back next week. Guru, do you have any more like burning uh, questions or anything that you'd just like to discuss ever so quickly? Or is that uh, we, we covered all of it for today, do you think? Now, look, I'd say we've, we've covered most things in. Sort of last thing to quickly touch on is, you know, it's international break. So, you know, if you've made your transfers right now, then, you know, probably might have done it a bit prematurely. I think if you haven't made them, just wait because there's going to be COVID, there's going to be injuries, there's going to be, you know, curveballs from this international break. So if you've not made your transfers, wait until press conferences next week. Um, and look, um, you know, if you're wildcarding, good, good luck to you all. Um, you know, and, and good luck, uh, good luck burning that chip early. I, w- I wish you all the best. Some uh, some passive aggressive but wise words there from the <laughs> guru. We will definitely leave you on that. We're just a quick reminder to join the UCL Fantasy League for FPL addicts as well. We'll uh, we'll play a short little bit now, but get your team made for that. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. We'll obviously be running our free and our paid league. So uh, just a quick reminder to get involved. But um, I hope you have a good night, good morning wherever you are in the world and that you're, you're happy and that you're safe and uh, we'll take care and fingers crossed that no, uh, no players get injured for the, the rest of the, uh, the international break for you. FBL Addicts are delighted to be bringing you the Champions League Fancy Football. You can register your team now and create your squad. Head to bit.ly forward slash FBL Addicts UCL.